Welcome to the Sweat Elite podcast, where it's our job to interview elite athletes, professional coaches, sports scientists, and thought leaders in the sport of running with the goal of providing listeners of the podcast with training information, tips, strategies, and stories from our guests. This is Matt, your host, and our guest this week is Sarah Hall. Sarah has been competing at the elite level of distance running for over 15 years now. After graduating from university in the USA, she was focused on the 1500 meters and 5000 meters, where she posted personal best times of 408 for the 1500 meters and 1520 for the 5000 meters, which at the time were right around the Olympic qualifying standard to the 2008 Olympics. And after stagnating for several years at those events, she decided around 2013 and 2014 to step up to the half marathon and full marathon, where her progression since then has been phenomenal. Sarah had an unlucky debut marathon, running 2.48 at the Los Angeles Marathon in early 2015, but later that year, Sarah lowered her marathon personal best to 2.31, and more or less since then, roughly every six to nine months, Sarah has lowered her personal best over the marathon by roughly a minute. And at the Berlin Marathon 2019 in September, Sarah managed to take almost four minutes off her personal best time over the marathon to post a 2.22.16, which ranks her sixth all-time American. Sarah is coached by her husband, Ryan Hall. That name probably rings a bell to many listeners. Ryan Hall was the first American to run under one hour for the half marathon. He's also the only American to run under 2.05 for the marathon. In this interview with Sarah Hall, conducted over Skype, early this week from her home in Flagstaff, Arizona. We talk about her decision that she made in mid-2019 to race three marathons in five months, those being the Berlin Marathon, where she ran her personal best of 2.22, just five weeks later, the New York Marathon, and then just under four months after that, the USA Olympic Trials for the Marathon, which took place at the end of February 2020. In this interview, we chat a bit about how she prepared for those Marathon's just mentioned quite differently. We also chat a bit about what it's like being coached by her husband and past elite distance runner Ryan Hall, among other things. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope that you enjoy listening to this podcast episode with Sarah Hall. Welcome to the Sweat Elite podcast, Sarah Hall. Hey, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate you taking the time uh, out of your day, Sarah, to join us. Um, it's now, I guess, eight weeks past the uh, US Olympic trials for the marathon, which we're going to uh, talk a little bit more about in um, later on in this uh, recording. But I guess to get, I guess to get started, we can talk a little bit about your uh, earlier days in running, how you were first uh, introduced to the sport of running, and more about your middle distance days when you were um, posting very quick times over 1,500, um, 5,000 through to 10,000. Um, and then that can transition us more towards, um, yeah, the, the last few years in your progression moving up towards the half marathon and the marathon. Yeah, well, I grew up playing um, soccer and basketball and among other just uh, hockey in our neighborhood and things like that. Just was really active and was really competitive um, from a young age. And uh, so I was, I was playing pretty competitive soccer and really into that which I think is is the best feeder for running really um but I decided to go out for cross country before my uh seventh grade year and I started training over the summer for it which I don't know really what inspired that because no one in middle school usually like 
trains the summer before they they start a sport but um but yeah I started I lived across the street from a giant beautiful state park in northern California with endless trails and um my parents were kind of giving me freedom for the first time to like do something by myself you know at that age you don't really have a lot of freedom to like go anywhere you can't drive or anything so um I was really enjoying just the freedom of exploring the trails and and just pushing myself and and kind of at the same time I was exploring my limits my physical limits and like um I I found I loved to like try to run the same loop like faster every each time out and um and then when the season started I was uh asking my mom if I could like run home from practice and on the way home I was like doing hill sprints to failure on the way home like quite often and um I didn't really have anyone pushing me or telling me what to do but it was really just me falling in love with kind of pushing myself and um and and like soccer and those team sports like I saw this correlation between the effort I was putting in and and getting better and winning races and um and that was really like instant gratification yeah awesome do you have any uh memories of some of the first sort of races that you competed in as a as a youngster yeah my very first race um I was going up against the league champion who was um, an eighth grader and I was a seventh grader and uh, I beat her in a sprint finish and it was like this big upset I didn't even really know who she was but kind of <laughs> after that I was like hooked on the competitive part of the sport um, and kind of in middle school uh, the only races I, I really lost were the ones where I got lost <laughs> was like <laughs> it tended to be a problem for me in cross country <laughs> it was like just being out there in front by myself and um, and not knowing where to go but they ended up having me uh, in eighth grade run with the boys in the, in their race. And actually, there was one guy um, that pushed me there. And so, um, so yeah, I've always enjoyed kind of mixing it up with the boys ever since back then. <laughs> yeah, cool. Thanks for sharing. And at what point, I guess, did you begin to take it relatively seriously um, in the middle distance events? Because, um, of course, as I said before, I'm aware of um, some of your results coming out of out of high school and into college, but it would be good for you to share maybe a little bit more about at, at what point did you think, okay, well, you know, I, I could potentially make a, make a national team. It was gradual for sure. Um, you know, I didn't really, this was kind of pre-internet in my early days of high school. And so you were, you were kind of living in your own little bubble a little bit. Um, but uh, I, I ended up winning the state championship in cross country and the mile and the two mile on the track which in California was um was pretty difficult because we didn't have any divisions it was like the whole state of California together um and so ever since that point I feel like uh the bar was was definitely higher and like because that's about as high as you can go as a high schooler you know at the state level and so um so really was going after that footlocker championship was a big goal of mine in high school and then um, obviously wanted to run in college and, um, I didn't know if I wanted to run professionally because I was really passionate about, uh, just extreme poverty and in different communities globally, just from spending time, uh, traveling internationally and, and just wanting to do stuff with poverty alleviation and, um, international development. And that's still a big passion of mine. So I thought I would probably go into that after college. Um, but, I was still just had so much passion for the sport. I was still loved competing and um, was still improving. And so since it was an option 
after college, uh, I decided to to try it, which I thought would, would be maybe for a year or two, but I'm going on 15 years in <laughs> June. <laughs> so it's quite, quite different than I thought, but it's been incredible. Well, not too long after graduating college, you managed to post personal best times of 4.08 for the 1500 meters, 15.20 for the 5,000 meters, which to give it some context, around that time when you ran those personal bests of 2000, uh, between 2006 and 2008, they were right around the qualifying standards for the 2008 Olympic Games in Beijing. So some super quick times over the middle distance events there. I guess I'm curious to learn a little bit more about what you were up to racing, training, and I guess other activities in between around that period of time and then sort of 2014, 2015, when you decided to switch the focus to running on the road in the half marathon and the marathon? Sure. Um, yeah, you know, um, my track career was definitely not linear. Um, I ran some of those PRs pretty early and, and definitely had some years of struggling um, physically that, and then that led to mentally because your body's not cooperating and you don't, you start not being able to be confident or really trust yourself because, um, because you don't know what your body's going to give you, and uh, definitely some overtraining, um, and uh, for me, that really took uh, addressing more of the spiritual side of myself to kind of pull myself out of that, um, because it was kind of a negative cycle that was, uh, you know, I, I had my, like, bright moments all throughout that, like, I made three world indoor teams, and, um, you know, three world cross country teams and I'd have kind of good moments and, and, and on the roads, uh, I tended to have more success, but the outdoor track piece, um, never quite came together to make a world team or Olympic team. And so, um, so I felt like I had really high expectations for myself that I wasn't meeting or the people around me and that got to be really stressful. Um, but, uh, really it was, yeah, um, just some things God did in my life, freeing me up from failure and, and kind of letting go of those expectations that led me to, um, actually, I, well, I started on the steeplechase as well. And that was kind of a new event for me. And that was really fun to really pour myself into something like completely different and transition from there to the roads more in 2014. Um, and the roads was like a breath of fresh air to my career. Like I just immediately loved the longer distances and um, my first marathon buildup. I absolutely loved the training. And even though my first marathon was a bit of a disaster, like I just knew I was hooked still at that point. Um, yeah. So it was, it definitely like, I feel like it was a whole second chapter to my career, which has kept me in the sport way longer than I thought I would be. Your first marathon at least was March, 2015, Los Angeles. Um, the, you suffered um, from cramps. Were they? Was that muscle cramps, or um, the end result was 2:48? And, and of course, six months later, you you lowered that to 2:31, which I guess was more reflective of the the training that you'd put in over the last year or two. But um, yeah, I guess quickly, what what was the issue in LA, and and, and it seemed like you resolved that in the next race, a uh, few races after that, because from there you essentially took one to two minutes off your your personal best every roughly every half year. Yeah. Um, you know, LA was, it was definitely a tough first marathon. Um, it was 90 degrees. So that was pretty tough. Right. Um, I'm not as I've gotten better at the heat, but at the time heat was definitely my weakness and I still don't love it, especially if I don't think anyone really does in the marathon, but, um, and then LA is actually, it's quite a brutal course. It's 
it's similar to Boston. It's got more uphill and more downhill, I think, than Boston. So, um, so actually similar to what happened this year at the trials, like my quads went earlier than my breathing really, or cardiovascularly. So, so yeah, I did suffer cramps from the heat and, and stuff later, but it was first my quads that, um, that started really, you know, it's kind of like having two flat tires and like your engine's fine, but if you have those flat tires, like there's not really anything you can do about it. Yeah, so, sure. um, so yeah, it was really crushing. Um, but I, 13 days later, I ran the world cross country championships and placed 19th. And, um, and that was just reaffirming to me that the fitness I thought was there actually was. And, um, and that, that was like, it could have been like 348 by the end of like, but like the way I was running at the end, you know? And so it was like, I think I was able to kind of discard that and, and really saw Chicago. My next one is like my kind of redo debut in my mind. Yeah, sure. So at Chicago, six months later, you ran 231. And as I said, from there, I've, I've got all the times written down. You went from 231 to 230 um, to 228, 227, 226. So this is obviously very roughly every sort of six to, to 12 months. You had that period in there where you you, you suffered two injuries um, through 2017-18 that you had a little bit of time off. And then I guess skipping ahead to to the last six months, you surprised a lot of people at Berlin in uh, in September last year, which I was also also in that race, when you ran 222.16, sixth fastest American of all time, which was a four-minute personal best at the time. But after doing my research for this podcast, it, it almost seemed like you weren't too surprised at that result it was almost like well you know that's what I've been training for and that wasn't that was the next logical step for me so um yeah this is I guess leading us towards chatting more about the reflection for the trials but this is um this is only six months ago now so yeah uh that was a pretty big step um the four minute personal best but it'd be good to talk more about how um how the preparation was before that and and like I said it didn't seem like much of a surprise to you Yeah, for a while, things were pretty linear. Um, And I was seeing that in my training. It was very sequential. It was like each buildup, I was able to handle a a tick faster on my tempos and a tick faster on my long runs. And like, I I just saw this kind of very linear improvement. Um, And then I started to like, it had been a while since I'd really like had an overuse injury. And my personality is definitely like, I want to find my lines. Like, I don't want to just train conservatively. Like, I want to know I'm kind of really maximizing my potential. And to me, like, I don't know if you can know that unless you get an overuse injury because you don't really like find that line. And so um, I started really pushing the envelope a little bit in my buildups. And um, and some of the injuries I had, um, you know, they kind of like were building on each other, right? So um, so the, I had, yeah, one SI joint injury and um, that was like from a fall, but then, was able to rebound and kind of after off very short training run Ottawa uh, in 226. And so, so all these times, like, like the 226 was like, really, I was in better shape, but that was kind of like coming off of injury. And, and sure. then, um, then I wasn't able to finish my next marathon because of a peroneal injury in Frankfurt. And so it's like, I was seeing kind of more growth in training than was really being realized in the races just because of the injuries Sure. So yeah, to me, 222 actually wanted to break 222, and um, but that was kind of the next logical step from from where I felt I I had been in those blocks, and I'm not really one to like kind of put all my workout times out there. So 
So I think it was kind of a surprise to other people, but to Ryan and I who had seen kind of my progression, um, it was, it was nice to actually like put it together and have that healthy buildup knowing that we would actually get to see the fruits of like two years really that we yeah. had. In. I guess on that point, um, you mentioned on uh, Brad Beer's podcast that you felt things sort of clicked a lot better in that sort of, I don't remember the exact time frame that you mentioned, but it was obviously the lead into Berlin. And you, 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 you mentioned that you felt like you were absorbing the training quite a bit better. I, I guess I was curious to know, do you feel that that was something that naturally just occurred over time because you'd had a few years under the belt at that point of marathon training? Or do you feel that there were some certain things that you changed and adjusted to, to make you feel like you absorbed the training a little bit better? Because it clearly showed on race day by dropping that, um, that four-minute personal best, or it may have been a little bit more than four minutes. But, yeah, curious to know um, why you felt like you absorbed the training a little bit better on that, um, on that lead-up to Berlin. Yeah, it, I think it was both of those because I think, um, you know, I I feel like I'm absorbing the marathon training the best I ever have now. Just like the more I do it, the more my body responds well to it. And um, yeah. which is crazy because I'm I'm just turned 37 last week, but um, I don't really like feel that at all. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. Um, but. So I think some of it is just more cumulative buildups, but also I think that buildup in particular, I was, um, I definitely wanted to make it to the line healthy since I hadn't in two years. And so I was taking a little less risk than I normally would. I would say like, it was very slight. Like it was definitely like just once in a while, Ryan would be like, all right, let's not do that extra this, you know, and where I would have just done it. Like he was like, let's just like play it safe. Let's, like push the workout a day if you have this niggle or, you know, whatever it is. Like, whereas like I can be a little bit bullheadish and I'm like, no, I only want to take one rest day, no matter what. Or like, <laughs> we were a little more like, okay, we need to make it to the line healthy this time. So I think those little things added up and, and made a difference too. But also I think um, it was just, we moved to Flagstaff full time uh, the yeah. year before that. And I think, um, you know, for me, I, I struggle with sleep altitude. I always have. And that was, part of my overtraining issue, uh, in my earlier days, but, um, but I, and I think, you know, that, that build up into Frankfurt the year before I was not sleeping as well. I wasn't recovering as well. I think it led into my injury, but I think a year into it, um, I'm just a lot more used to living full-time up here and, and stuff. And I think that helped me just absorb things that much better. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Thanks for sharing. Um, and in the next five months, you attempted to, well, you did start, um, you did make the start line of the New York Marathon, which was only five weeks after Berlin. Uh, and then, of course, the US Olympic Trials, which were eight weeks ago, which was 17 weeks after New York Marathon. There was a couple of races in between there. You, you remarkably won the, the 10-mile USA Championships just the week after Berlin. But you had, a, you had a huge block of racing there where you managed to, of course, run the personal best at Berlin um, the, the 10 mile, um, result where you won, uh, New York marathon where you had some stomach cramps. Um, w w it was stomach cramps. Is that right? Um, it was like food poisoning or something. I had like a, right. a stomach flu. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then you're in a half marathon personal best in the lead up to the trials. And then of course the trials. So I guess my first question, um, is, you know, that's a, that's obviously a lot. That's a big racing schedule in a, in a pretty short period of time. Um, was that always the plan from before Berlin, or did that come about um, 
by any any specific result or yeah i'm curious to to dig a little bit deeper there because i think many people would look at that and think oh that's that's very ambitious that's that's going to be difficult to i guess to get through that without too many potential injuries you know i think that kind of schedule is it's what i've kind of always done since the transition to the roads and um for me it's i think sometimes people kind of blow up the races as like being really risky Whereas for me, I see them kind of the opposite. Like, I I feel like um, I train pretty close to like the same intensity that are of a race. And so for me, getting like maybe one easier workout like before a race or something, actually, I feel like mentally it's easier for me to do the race and have like other people around and the energy there and the crowd and like sometimes then doing like a 15 mile tempo run out on Lake Mary road and flag stuff, you know? So, um, so I, I don't like overthink, um, the race, like the number of races, I kind of do what I'm excited about and obviously what Ryan's on board with. Um, but, but yeah, that was the plan to do Berlin and New York. Um, uh, definitely seemed unconventional, but it's something that I've, I've actually always kind of done since my very first marathon um where I turned it around and ran world cross 13 days later and that wasn't an intentional like I wasn't sure I was going to do that until the marathon went so bad that I was like I've worked way too hard for this to be like the only result like I'm I want to try for cross country and and at that time like no one had no one did that kind of stuff and and people are like this is a bad idea but um but I think ever since that first marathon, it really opened my mind to like what could be possible. And I don't always think that's a good idea for everyone. Like I think, or myself, like there's, I think there's times where you need a break and I, I've taken breaks after marathons too, where you take a couple of weeks off and you build up slowly. And, um, but I think for me, a lot of my more recent marathons, like they were, I was, they were kind of coming off of an injury or something. And I was, not wanting to take a break like I was like enjoying training and so I just wanted to keep it going and uh and so I found that actually like if I just took good care of my body that I actually could rebound and 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 that the marathon didn't have to be like a hard stop as most people think of it as um and I think part of that too is just I mean I go the distance in training like I had a really hard 28 mile run before Berlin where I I came through the marathon in 231 and I was just in trainers. Wow. And, and so like, if you're doing that stuff in training, then when you're like, and you're in the middle of hard training, running that far, then a marathon where you're tapered is actually, and you're running faster there, you know, but yeah, it's sure. about, it's not that much more strenuous than what you're doing in training. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I, I guess I look at it slightly differently. Yeah, that's really interesting. And uh, I guess we, we very briefly touched on New York and, and I'm familiar with what happened in, in New York, but it'd be good just to sh- quickly share about that. That seemed like it was a really unlucky scenario where, um, was it the day before that you, you, you felt like you, I, I guess I'll leave the story for you to tell, but yeah, um, that sounded like it was quite a bit of bad luck, which happened, uh, the story of New York, which was five weeks after Berlin. Yeah, it really was. Um, you know, I was really excited for New York. I, um, having the 10 mile championships just the week after Berlin showed me like I was recovered enough to to take it on and was yeah. really excited to be on the biggest U.S. stage um, at the best fitness of my career. Um, but yeah, the day before the race, I started having a lot of stomach distress, which I 
was hoping was just carb loading um which sometimes when you're like slamming those carbs or like uh your body doesn't always absorb that well but um but yeah it became uh pretty clear that it wasn't just that and I'm kind of an eternal optimist where I'm like I'll be fine like once I get out there like and like warming up I'm like oh I feel better already and um I think I I tend to like not give myself much of a break but I'm kind of learning as I've tried to like run a marathon with a peroneal injury run a marathon with food poisoning like some of these things like I'm starting to realize actually the marathon's gonna expose like any of those you know yeah and maybe maybe you can get away with like a 1500 and it's tactical or something with food poisoning but um and so I think I'm less likely to attempt that in the future um so yeah it was it was a bummer but maybe in the end it was a good thing like as far as like my legs going in, into the trials build up I don't know you know you just yeah. you just got to keep moving forward so New York was early November and then you had uh roughly four months a little bit more until no actually pretty much right on four months until the U.S. trials you mentioned in a few different Instagram posts um uh, you could have also posted on on Facebook about how you tried a whole lot of sort of out of the box like very crazy things in training leading into the trials um uh, of course, we don't have to talk about, or um, I, I guess what I'm saying is I'd love to to hear about anything that you're willing to share about that block that you experimented with anything new or, um, yeah, it sounded like you, you really took maybe a few risks in training. Um, and I think what was most interesting was that in the middle of that block, you ran your personal best for half marathon at the Houston half marathon, which was 108.58. So it would be really, yeah, it would be awesome to learn a little bit more about, about um, that block of training. It was definitely a different marathon block than I've usually done um, just because of the course. So I, I'd gone out and seen the course in May and yeah. honestly was pretty shocked. Like I was like, this course is like my worst nightmare. <laughs> and <laughs> I was really bummed for like 10 minutes. And then I was like, all right, like how do I make this course to my advantage? And I really committed to like, even before Berlin, like starting the stuff. I needed to do to run well on that course. Um, and so it was, it was a number of different things, um, running things, non-running things, strength, strength training stuff. Um, and, but I definitely, um, you know, I was doing some of it before really, but then definitely after New York or, and, and then like before New York, you know, more Hills and more cause New York is hilly as well. But then definitely after New York, after I recovered from that, uh, we hit things pretty hard with the hills and um, it was a difficult build. It was hard, my, definitely my hardest buildup I've ever done um, because hills at altitude are already really challenging. Um, and then I was running them like every single day, like every hard effort was on like basically as hard of a hilly course as I could find up here. <laughs> and, um, and which is discouraging, right? Cause you're like running, slower than you usually are splits you're usually seeing and uh but I just I knew that that was going to be the case and I knew it was going to be like mentally challenging so for me to run the Houston PR was actually really the encouragement I needed in the middle of that block because up to that point I had I'd just been doing a ton of running and a ton of like strength work and I hadn't run a single mile I don't think actually I'd run one tempo um at that pace but that was the only thing under marathon pace I'd even done before Uh Houston, no, no intervals, no anything. Um, and so 
to see that I was able to run that fast off of strength was was really encouraging knowing that like up ahead of in the buildup after that it was going to get more specific and more sharpening and more to what I typically do um but we we just felt like for this particular course like it was going to be a strength runners course like and so we approached it like preparing for like a 28 mile race even more than like a Berlin fast marathon you mentioned too that uh actually I've seen this in a number of different um uh areas that i've been researching that uh, one of your most hated session which i guess you probably repeated quite a few times in the build-up to to atlanta um the trials was an uphill tempo run so if you're willing to share anything more about that about how long you were doing and and, you know sort of the gradient and so on but i fully agree with what you said i've I've done a bit of training at at kenya and and ethiopia and when you are doing uphill running and you're looking at some of those splits, it is a bit discouraging and it's it's hard to stay motivated to do a, a long uh, tempo effort up up some elevation like that. But yeah, it would be awesome to learn more about that particular type of training session that you were doing. I love any chance to work out hard, but definitely my least favorite and probably the only one I don't love is the uphill tempo. And we run up this road that goes up to the ski resort in Flagstaff um, and it's uh, a steady grade the whole way there's not a lot of breaks and it climbs from I think 7,000 to 9,000 feet in six miles or so um, okay. so I don't know what that grade ends up being but um, it, and it's kind of as you go up it even gets a little steeper as you towards the top and you're at a higher elevation where it's oh, already yeah. you know, less oxygen and all that so yeah you're breathing so hard um and you're and none of your splits are are encouraging and so you just have to like put your head down and grind and um but what was encouraging was later in the build-up I felt like uh I was getting better at it and I was seeing improvement and that was um you start to just know what is relatively good for something like that and I, I I don't think that'll ever be my strength like Ryan is incredible at that kind of stuff like he's even when we were in Mammoth like he would just crush those kind of workouts and that's never going to be like my um strength really but I I saw growth there and um so so that made it encouraging I guess (laughs) I would have mentioned this in the intro but for those um listening um Ryan is Ryan Hall who's uh Sarah's husband and uh coach 204 58 marathoner um and I, I guess this can segue well into a couple of quotes that I've read from him that I'd love a little bit more, uh, of, I guess, of your thoughts on. Um, one thing that he said uh, in an interview that I read it is, it's really important to me that I prescribe workouts to Sarah that are physiologically sound, but also ones that excite her and she believes in. What are some of the first workouts that come to mind that, that excite you and you believe in that he's re- uh, referring to there? That's a good question. Um you know, I, I like a lot of the standard bread and butter stuff we do, like the really long tempo runs and the um, the really hard, long, long runs and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we have a good collaboration going where I think Ryan is, he does really take my feedback. And I think um, for me, anytime I've been in a situ- coaching situation where it was like my way or the highway, that's never been like something that worked really well for me um I've kind of always liked to be able to have some input and I think just because like I know my body better than anyone else right like a coach does have like an objective eye but it's like I'm actually the one that's feeling what I'm feeling and so I think I trust myself and I trust my intuition and um and so so yeah it's it's been really good with Ryan where he 
he really knows what makes me tick um, as an athlete and as a person. And I think he factors that into how he writes training. And um, so far, it's been it's been working. And, and I guess before um, I, I reference a few more quotes from from Ryan and some and some other questions that I have, um, back to I guess the thing that I brought up at the very start, um, the trials which occurred eight weeks ago, and that we were sort of leading towards in that timeline. Uh, the trials, I guess, didn't go to plan. You ended up um, not completing the 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 race. Um, it would be good just to talk about about this for a minute or two, and about in retrospect now, two months on, how you felt. Um, you know, it it went, and where you feel uh, you could have perhaps done anything differently in the lead up, or or I guess, yeah, what were your what is your reflection on that on that experience? The trials is is probably the biggest heartbreak of my career, to be honest. Um, feels like a bad dream thinking back on it right now and um yeah I mean I knew it was gonna it was gonna take everything I had um on that day like just with American distance running being as amazing as it is right now and um and that course being as hard as it is the heart it's the hardest course in history of the marathon on the elite side at least um and so I but I did believe like I did have what it what it would take and like I believed it would happen uh, I think there's a difference in believing like it can and it will happen you know yeah, and sure. um and so so yeah I think it was really disillusioning like um to really feel like I really fell really far short you know like not even getting close to like not even being able to survive to the point where the competition was starting um my quads were really what similar to my very first marathon, as I talked about, just went um, on that final last really long downhill stretch. Like after that, I just wasn't, as we turned and, and sort of ran uphill, I wasn't really able to use my legs. They were just so beat up by that point. Um, so, so yeah, I guess um, looking back, honestly, I guess the one piece I have is I really don't think there's anything I could have done to prepare more for that um I was slamming down hills as much as I could without getting hurt in my build-up and um I think at the end of the day that's going to be something that's challenging for me um and so so yeah I think I think I have peace that like um I did everything I could but but I think it's still hard to that that was so far from um from being able to make the team which was a dream of mine for sure um but yeah, I, I think going forward, I mean, at least that's not going to be a course I ever have to face again, thankfully, even a course <laughs> like Boston is a lot, um, a lot milder. And, and I think, and the reason to, I dropped out when I did actually was, um, because when I ran Boston, um, you know, I went into that buildup with really minimal running and I had a yep. great engine from, from cross training and stuff, but, um, but the, my quads went pretty early there as well and and I did finish there um and and like just gutted it out every mile to the finish but that took a really long time for me to recover from because I I did that um yeah. and uh with this race once I was completely out of the race like my natural is like I never want to drop out like I've only dropped out of I think like two or three other races um besides the trials and it was like injury or cramping. Um, and so I like my natural is like 
do whatever you can to like get across the line like as fast as you can but um but I did know that that would take so much out of me and with the track trials like if I wanted to give that a shot I knew that would just set me back even more and so um so that was kind of a conscious decision as hard as that was to step off I really enjoyed listening to you talk on this topic with Brad Beer on his podcast you know the marathon can take so much longer to recover from than events shorter than it provided that you run it at an all-out effort and in your circumstances when you had the plan a of qualifying for the olympic team in the marathon at the trials and then the plan b of of going to the trials on the track in the 5,000 and 10,000 meters only a short few months later for you it actually to some extent some could say made sense to drop out at the point that you did to avoid pushing yourself even further physically and resulting in of course a longer period of recovery time before going back to full training. So whilst the result was devastating for you because that was your, you know, number one or plan A, should I say, um, I can fully understand why the decision to drop out was the best one at the time. But this actually aligns very well with the next point that I wanted to ask you about. It's actually a quote from Ryan once again. And he mentions in another interview that you're very good at listening to your body during training and racing. You've given a few examples in this interview already, uh, but do you have any more examples of that that the listeners can learn about? You know, Ryan definitely, um, he loved to like have a race or a training plan and like he would stick to that like no matter what, like whatever I had written down, like he was not deviating from that. And like, I think um, like I'm a little more, uh, I see training more as an art where you're like, a lot of times for me, that's like pushing further than what I have down or something. But I think it's more like being in tune with, um, with what you're feeling and like finding those limits and fi- finding the right effort, which is really what you need on race day, right? Like when I was out there in Berlin, like I was running way faster than I ever had, but I knew that that effort was one I could sustain because of training and knowing like what I've done, what I felt in training. Like I wasn't trying to hit specific splits as much as run the right effort, which is really what, like, you need to be able to have breakthrough races. Otherwise, like you're always going to be kind of playing it safe with splits that like you think you can hit, you know? So I think, um, yeah. And, but, um, but also I think some of that comes with like just the outside the box stuff. Like sometimes I just get intuition about like, wow, like I kind of want to try this. And, um, and a lot of them, those things have ended up really benefiting me and really, um, getting a lot of strength out of those. So, so whereas Ryan was definitely a little more like staying the course of kind of what was on the training plan and what was traditional and stuff all until the end of his career, when he kind of like really started experimenting and stuff, which, uh, (laughs) I'm glad he got all of that out of his system on himself and not not me necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> so post-trials, uh, you, I guess, took a short break and then your plan was to run at the USA track championships in the 5 and 10K. Um, that's obviously now been, um, been postponed or pushed to the next year with the Olympics being pushed to 2021 what are you currently up to in training and what is the uh i guess the outlook for the remainder of the year i'm aware that there's a lot of races that are in question right now but yeah i guess it's um uh we could chat a little bit about um what you're currently doing in training and what your your vision is in the next six to 12 months i was definitely really uh refocused on the track after the marathon trials 
um, up until they, they officially postponed it in late March. And, um, you know, I honestly haven't raced track in four years. Um, I think the last time was the 2016 trial. So it's a bit of a long shot, like to, but at the same time, um, you know, I've done definitely my best track stuff I've ever done, um, in my last, um, in the Berlin buildup. And, uh, I didn't really do a lot on the track before the trials because everything was on hills, but I would assume that it would have gone well too, based on my half. And, um, and so, you know, there's enough there that gives me hope to go for it. Um, it's even with it being a bit of a long shot and, and track isn't where my heart is for sure. Like I, my heart's in the marathon and, um, but, but there's enough there where I'm excited to like give it a push. And, and also I think focusing on that stuff, um, it does help your marathon. I think that's one of Ryan's regrets is getting too far away from the 5k, 10k speed. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's one thing he's done a good job with in my career is is staying closer to that, doing shorter races, which have have all been on the roads for me in the last four years. But I have had good success on in like 10k or seven mile races and things. Um. So so yeah, I'm I'm excited to um to go for that. But I will be pursuing a fall marathon before. Um. Every I'll have the track trials in mind as I build up towards that fall marathon um and wanting to keep uh keep pursuing that 5k 10k speed but but definitely um I really I think I have a lot more potential in the marathon and um really want to keep mining that out and that's probably what I'm most excited about so I'm really hoping there'll be races this fall and and I can and get in one of those yeah sure okay so it sounds like yeah the the goal is in the short term to do another marathon towards the end of this year and then and then refocus on that 5 and 10K leading into the trials, which are now in July 2021. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like there's a there was a quite a bit of difference between the lead into the um, to the Berlin Marathon, where you did a lot of um, track track work, and then of course uh, leading into the US trials, where the course was obviously completely different. It was much much more hilly. You went quite a, a, a bit further away from that speed. Um, is if you're going to prepare for another marathon in the fall when it's flatter, would you go back to doing quite a similar build-up than what you did to Berlin? Or would it be a bit of a – I guess what I'm trying to understand is what have you learned from the last year in terms of what you felt has worked and what, what hasn't worked and what specific yeah. type of training has and, and, and what hasn't worked for you, do you feel? No, I think I would do some of the similar stuff I did before the trials minus the excessive hills. But um, yeah, sure. just realizing with Houston just – I, I think I see more and more with myself, like the more I, I invest in my aerobic capacity, like the speed comes naturally to me. So yep. I'm able to like run fast in the half and 68 minutes is like five fifteen pace um, without even like running that pace. Like I don't, for me, some people need to, like Ryan was the opposite where he needed to like really work the speed to be able to run half marathon pace. But I think for me, um, just the bigger I can build that aerobic base without getting hurt you know that's the tempting that's the hard yeah. part is oh. like you're building that engine but it's like whatever the chassis can handle um and so so yeah I think um I think I still have some room to grow that and um and that's you know even Berlin wasn't a, a perfect race in my mind so even just tweaking some things that um 
that I did wrong there and stuff. I, I'm excited to, to see how much further down I can push that time. I really appreciate your time um, today on the podcast. And in conclusion, I guess the last thing I would just like to to ask is um, something that you just sort of touched on is that um, what are your, I guess, eventual goals? You know, I've, at this point in my career, I, I run a lot faster in marathon than I thought I would. And so I'm trying not to put too many limits on myself and just keep uh, pursuing the goal that's like the next step, you know, and, and um in train maybe that's like like I said where you've you've been taking steps and even though it hasn't been realized in a time yet like for me the next step in Berlin was 222 but just um just continuing to mine out that potential um which I think hopefully is a couple more minutes in the marathon and um I think hopefully another minute and a half but um but yeah I think regardless I, I think just enjoying that process of of mining that out I don't really like I'm not married to any specifics really it's it's more like just the joy of like seeing how fast you can go or and also like trying to get on the podium in a major so it's not always about speed but I would really love to be able to be on the podium especially one uh in the U.S. would be really meaningful um but but it's been fun to get closer like in Berlin getting a little closer to that podium and um and then I would I would love to make an Olympic team um the track that would be like the craziest dream come true to make it there um um, but that is kind of the one last thing I've I've done a lot of world um championships so that would be kind of the one experience that I would love to have but I, I think I'm kind of with the marathon trials past like I think um that isn't I wouldn't say like my entire focus uh from now till the track trials, like I think continuing to pursue the marathon is still something I'm really excited about. And I found you run your best when you're doing what you're excited about. Sarah Hall, thanks so much for joining the Sweatily podcast. And we look forward to watching your hopefully progression over the next, over the next few years. Thank you very much.